Hey folks, if you've been tuning in over the last couple of months, you've heard all about the GameTime app and how it can save you some serious cash on last-minute tickets to sports concerts, all types of shows. We love the panoramic view of what your seat's going to look like. Of course, the two-tap checkout is fantastic, and there's some great deals going on right now. Just the Jets game against the Steelers, tickets around $50. Those will go down as you get closer to game time, as we've heard uh, throughout this season. Well, now Game Time is hooking you up for the holidays. With $10 credit, here's what to do. Download the Game Time app in the Google Play or App Store. Click on My Tickets, that section of the app. Create an account. Then under the Billing section, use the redeem code THEATHLETIC. Once again, that's THEATHLETIC, all one word, for $10 off your first purchase. That's free money, people. Credit is only available to the first 1,000 people who redeem the code, and it expires at the end of the year. That's December 31st, 2019. So make moves quick and score last-minute tickets. everybody, welcome into another edition of the Can't Wait Podcast. Tim McMaster here along with Connor Hughes. And we're kind of in a tweener situation here because the Jets played Thursday. We already recapped that game. Uh, they don't play again until the weekend when they take on the Steelers. So we thought it was a good chance to take your questions. So cues for Hughes coming up big time. We got a lot of questions lined up. Uh, Connor reaching out on Twitter. But we're also... Going to do the Jets holiday wish list. Yes, if the Jets could get anything underneath that tree this holiday season heading into 2020, what would it be? Connor, I'm excited just to kind of get away from the games for an episode. Yeah, I'd, I'd be looking forward to getting getting away from the games this season, depending on how a lot of these <laughs> things have gone, man. But I mean, look, I know Darnold had his moments against the Ravens and and the Jets, honestly, were in that one for a little bit, which was about as much as their fans could ask for against a team that a lot of people believe is headed for a, uh, a potential Super Bowl run. But, uh, yeah, yeah, it'll, it'll be fun to kind of mix it up a little bit. And, and honestly, it set the stage a little bit for also the uh, the potential um, offseason of, of what we're going to be talking about because it's probably going to be an eventful one for the Jets. You know, you could be talking about 50 to 60% roster overhaul from what uh, uh, Joe Douglas is going to do with, with Mike McCagnin's scrap heap. So we'll, we'll see. All right, so let's get right into it. The Jets' holiday wish list. Marissa, cue the music. Here we go. Um, so we have five things here. If they just could get five gifts underneath the uh, the Christmas tree or the holiday tree. Here you go, Connor. Number one, good health in 2020. Does that stand out as the biggest thing? No matter what else you do, this team's oh, got to yeah. stay healthy. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, we were, when you were talking about them before the show. I was like, yeah, that's, that, that's a good one, man. I mean, this, this is a team that... Look, every team in the NFL deals with injuries, like what the Steelers are dealing with. Uh, I mean, you can literally go down the line, and every single team has a major, solid contribute, major, major starter, and then a slew of notable contributors on their injured reserve list. It's it's just something that happens every single year, and and the team that is able to minimize those number of injuries is usually the team that's able to make a playoff run and a postseason run, and and really turn the thing around and 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 you know uh, complete that quest for a Lombardi Trophy. With that said, I've never seen a team ravaged by injuries like the Jets have been ravaged by injuries. I mean, I know a lot of people compare the Steelers who are missing Juju and James Conner and uh, Ben Roethlisberger, and, and then they obviously benched Mason Rudolph. But I, I think what people don't necessarily realize is that the Jets have dealt with all of that with the exception of the quarterback and then some. I mean, their defense, they, they're everyone who's basically from week one is gone. I mean, it, it's it's absurd. The only player on defense that has started every game this season is Marcus May. The only two players that have started every single game on offense this year are uh, are Jamison Crowder and then Robbie Anderson. You have guys that have filled in for injured players that are now hurt, like Bilal Powell and, and, and all those injured corners and linebackers and everything like that. It's just absurd. So if the Jets can find a way to actually retain some health next year and, and, and keep the guys that they've invested so much of their future in on the field, I think it'll go a, a long way in this team turning the corner. 
Yeah, especially with a team that lacks depth like the Jets. The guys that you do have have to stay healthy. All right, gift number two for the Jets, a trade partner for Le'Veon Bell. I think it would be important for them. I mean, look, they need to decide what they want to do with Le'Veon Bell because right now he is not a fit for their current roster construction. And, and look, you can make the argument that Adam Gase can use Bell better than what he's used him. Correct. That That's true. He can split him out wide. He can use him as a receiver more. He can get him more involved in the pass game. He can still try to run the rock with him and just get those three and four yards he carry. But with the Jets, kind of with their state of the offensive line, it's just not a mesh for Le'Veon Bell's running style. Le'Veon Bell pretty much has to change his running style to make it work, not within Adam Gase's offense, but with this Jets offensive line. Now, if the Jets look at this and, and Joe Douglas and Adam Gase sit down in the offseason and they say, look, we're still two probably you know, at least one full off season, but but maybe two full years away from really turning this thing around. We'll be better next year, but we're not going to be ready to compete. Well, is Le'Veon Bell really a fit for this team? If, if by the time you're ready to compete, the guy's going to be 29, 30 years old with all that mileage and, and probably on the back back end of his career, back nine. So they need to decide if, if they believe that Le'Veon Bell is a player that uh, can be, or basically they need to decide if they can fix this offensive line uh, this off season and get it back to to average to slightly above average and then start rocking and rolling and if that's the case then maybe Bell you can keep him but if you think this is still probably a two year rebuild then then I think letting go of Le'Veon Bell makes makes a bit more sense and to do that you got to find a team willing to pony up some picks so maybe that means the Kansas City Chiefs are bounced out of the playoffs early and they see Le'Veon Bell as the piece that can get them over the hump or, or maybe it's some other team like that a contender where they can uh, they, they can kind of steal a late third round pick, a fourth round pick, something like that, and and eat a portion of Bell's salary to 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 move him somewhere else. But yeah, if, if they could find someone willing to pony up something of, of notable cash, then yeah, absolutely. Now the issue is that I've talked to a handful of, of uh, people around the NFL uh, agents, scouts, team execs, and and they've all kind of told me that they uh the 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 most the jets are probably going to get from bell is a fourth or a fifth round pick unless they find a team super super desperate but even they couldn't piece together a team that would be uh that that interested in in acquiring them yeah and connor's got a great story on the athletic from last week about that so check that one out uh, for more information on bell and the trade and what what they could possibly get for him all right the next three these are all just uh strictly players and, and who we can plug in, what needs to be plugged in to make this team better. Um, first off, an edge rusher, somebody to put some pressure on the quarterback. It's it's a glaring weakness. Yeah, Tim, and it's been a glaring weakness for them since they traded away John Abraham. I mean, the Jets have had guys that have come in here and, and rushed the passer a little bit. I mean, had a couple good years from Sheldon Richardson. Sean Ellis did it a little bit. Uh, Muhammad Wilkerson was another guy who had two 10 sack seasons during his, I believe, two or three 10 sack seasons with the Jets. But they've never had that guy around the outside. They've never had the guy that you could put around on the outside of the defense that had speed, elusiveness, and was just someone that you knew no matter what, he was going to find a way to get to the quarterback with, with three or four pressures a game. And it was going to be at least in position to get one or two sacks a game and probably come away with that one sack. You know, their their version of Joey or Nick Bosa, their version of Alden Smith when he was really playing some good football with the uh, 49ers, their version of Von Miller or, or Bradley Chubb or any of these other elite level edge rushers in the NFL. I mean, they the Jets have not had that guy in a decade. And I think that if you add him to this defense, uh, they, they would be they would be much better off. All right, up next, um, we could have gone with one of these, but I just threw in an entire offensive line. If we can just <laughs> put the entire thing, five giant boxes uh, on on for the holidays for the Jets. Yeah, look, I mean, I, you look at this Jets offensive line right now, and I think the only player that, that you know is going to be back in 2020 is, is Chuma Daga, and that's because the, the coaching staff uh, and, and this the coaching staff and, and while it's new management – the coaching staff does like Chuma, and they, they believe that he can be developed into a quality offensive tackle. They don't know if his future is necessarily at left or right tackle. It's probably more on the right side than the left side, but but he's athletic. They like his size. They like his frame. They, they, they think that the lumps he's taking right now, he's going to come back in 2020 significantly improved because of these experiences that he's dealing with playing as a rookie, that he's going to be able to, to take – those notable steps forward. Now, is that actually going to be the case? Is it, are, are we actually going to see that much of a jump as, as people that analyze this team? 
I don't know. But aside from that, you can make the argument that maybe Alex Lewis returns. I know the Jets coaching staff loves him. He's, he's somebody that kind of does everything the right way, holds himself accountable before all else. He's, he's someone who actually in, in team meetings will call himself out as doing something wrong, which, which sets a good example. And the Jets believe he's kind of that, that, you know, above average, average starter, which, you know, you can't have five all pros up front because you got to pay five all pros and that's just not going to happen. So I think he's somebody that, that the Jets could conceivably resign, feel comfortable with him starting at, at one of those offensive line spots at left or right guard. He also has the ability to move out to tackle if need be, if somebody went down. So uh, those two guys will probably be back. They might try to resign Jonathan Harrison again as depth, not as a starter, but as depth, but Basically, that's two of five starters returning in starting roles next year, potentially, depending on what the Jets want to do with Chuma. So uh, three to five new linemen. I'm sure the Jets would take that. Certainly at left tackle, the guard spot that Alex Lewis doesn't play, and then definitively, definitely, I should say, uh, center. All right, and the final one, and maybe this uh, present is just for Sam Darnold and not, not really for the whole team. Just a little extra present for your franchise quarterback. It's a number one receiver. Yeah, look, I, I know a lot of people make about talk about Robbie Anderson and, and all this stuff. And look, Anderson's a good player. He's he's he could be a, a very, very good borderline elite level number two receiver, but he's just not that number one. He's not the guy that when you need a play, when he is locked down in coverage, that Darnold needing a play on third down with needing a play to swing the momentum can throw one up there and just know that that guy is going to come down with it. Similar to what Odell Beckham Jr. did, you know, the first two or three years he was there with Eli Manning with the Giants. Similar to what Amari Cooper has brought to the uh, the the Cowboys since they traded for him. To what Antonio Brown and Juju Smith-Schuster, Smith-Schuster obviously for a shorter period of time, Antonio Brown for a longer one, have done for Ben Roethlisberger. I mean, Darnold just needs his guy. He needs the guy that he knows is going to be exactly where he needs to be on every play, is going to make the play, is going to come down with those 50-50 balls. You know, Anderson, like I said, he's a good player, but you just can't trust him in crunch time. I think that drop pass on fourth down against the Ravens on Thursday Night Football is the perfect example of it. Anderson made a lot of really nice plays against the Ravens. He made a lot of really nice catches. He, he, he was one of the bright spots on offense. But he also didn't come down with the play the Jets needed. And I think that's what they need to go out there and find. And I, I don't think that player is going to be in free agency because seldom do those guys get free. Because when you have a player that is that guy for a team, they either re-sign him and keep him or they trade him for compensation. So it's very rare that those guys walk for free. I mean, obviously, the guys you're going to find in the open market are players like Allen Robinson, you know, who the Bears ended up signing and. You know, when you look at Allen Robinson, is he that much better than Robbie Anderson? Probably not. So you're looking for, like, the guy. So the Jets, if they're going to find their true number one, they're probably going to have to learn te- uh, lean on the draft and try to find him in the draft either in the first or second round. We will see. Uh, but, but yeah, I think if they could get a number one for Sam Darnold, it would, be, it would be pretty impressive to then pair him with potentially re-signing Robbie Anderson and then a healthy Chris Herndon and then Jamison Crowder returning in 2020. Yeah, then you have a it's a nice little offense you have that you can build yeah. around as long as you can get Darnold some time with those those big offensive linemen that you're hoping to to get for the holidays as well. This podcast is all about the NFL, obviously, but the holiday season is here, and we all know what that means for football fans. Bowl season, as in well over 30 bowl games before the championship game on January 6th. If that's not enough to get you excited, the playoff push is underway for the pros. Need even more? The DraftKings Sportsbook app can get you in on all the action and more 24-7, 365 days a year. With so much going on, they have great promotions running every day, especially this week. DraftKings is giving away eight days of sportsbook gifts this holiday season. Be sure to check out the promos tab in the DraftKings Sportsbook app each of the eight days leading up to Christmas to open up your daily gift. You definitely won't want to miss what's in store for Christmas Day. With promos like these, it's no wonder DraftKings Sportsbook is America's top-rated sportsbook. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app right now and use code QUICK. For a limited time, all new users can get a free bet when you sign up. Plus, when you make your first bet, you can get a risk-free bet up to $500. Don't forget, sign up with the code QUICK to place your first bet, and you get a risk-free bet up to $500 only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. New Jersey only. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. And, of course, the DraftKings promo always brings up our picks, and Connor retook the lead last weekend. 3-0-1, an impressive performance. He's edged just edged ahead of Marissa. Uh, Connor 18, 13, and 1. Marissa 17, 14, and 1. 
I'm uh, not as good. Uh, we'll just leave it at that. Two and two for me last week, but uh, but Connor, nicely done. Thanks, man. You know, I keep I keep looking at this this like the record that I've got, and all I keep thinking about is that stupid zero and four week that I had, like the first or second week we did this. And even if I went like just two and two that one, man, the numbers look so much better than what yeah. they do right now with zero and four. But I'm slowly climbing back back up there, man. Plus five, I'll take that. That's profitable. Um, and and that Seahawks game, though, I was actually watching that. You know, the cool thing um about when the jets play thursday night is obviously it sucks when they play thursday night because that is such such a long day and long night and it's just it's hell to cover but it does mean that you can be a football fan again on sunday and you can you can watch all the games and enjoy it so we actually i went out with uh breeze family and we we got like a chicken pizza but i'm from south jersey so i went back home to south jersey uh in, in marlton they built a chicken and pizza and and we got a, a back room there for like 20 something people and i had a couple friends it was a bunch of her family's friends and uh, we just watched the games. It was cool. Like we had the three TVs going, so we had they're all big Eagle fans. So they had the Eagle game, the Eagle game on one TV. We had Red Zone on another, and then we had the Packers and the Bears on the other one, which I was watching because I bet it. And uh, I'll tell you what, like when that Seahawks game, Seahawks Panthers game, the Seahawks were up so big, I was like, oh, this is an easy cover. Like oh, I was feeling so good. I was like, man, I should have bet more on it. <laughs> and all of a sudden, McCaffrey scored that one to make it like thirty to seventeen. And I was like, those mother effers are going to backdoor cover. I know it's going to happen. And sure enough, with like two minutes left, they scored to pull within six. And then the Seahawks, like the whole thing where you just try to run out the clock and not score. And, and I got the backdoor. So uh, pretty close to a perfect week, man. That was a little upsetting. And I, I was glad to uh, to overtake the lead there off Marissa. I know it, she was she was talking some talking some uh, SE double hockey sticks uh, after uh, – uh, or no, that's H-E double hockey sticks. Wow, it is really early. We're recording this at 930 in the morning. So give, me, <laughs> give me a little break. I was trying to think. I was like, I can't say that word. Isn't there an acronym for it? And then I was like, Nope, didn't I? Didn't just spell the word I thought I was going to spell. But yeah, she was she was talking some. You know what? I'll leave it at that. Uh, after that, after that game, so or after her a perfect week last week. So I was I was glad to take at least a, a one game lead on her this time. Yeah, Marissa also getting uh, ultra competitive, actually outwardly on our Slack channel, rooting for the Steelers so that Connor would get that one wrong. I thought we were all <laughs> in this together, but Connor, but uh, but Marissa has turned on things. She just wants to win. It's that Maryland tenacity. <laughs> that, that, that's how they do it in Maryland. Tim. If you're not first, you're last. Come on, guys. You should know that. <laughs> On to cues for Hughes. Let's do this, guys. Uh, so great questions in on Twitter for for Connor. So we'll go through um, kind of the best of the best that we picked out from uh, from Twitter. Um, let's start here, Connor. This one from JC. He says, "Does the emergence of Parker, that's Devonte Parker down in Miami, uh, who is healthy, scratched under Gase and Tannehill, worry you when it comes to Gase putting talent to use?" We have seen it here with Bell and Crowder's usage. Worried, especially after watching a player like Parker absolutely dominate the Eagles game. Uh, worried? I I don't know because Parker was was somebody that was injured a lot, and and I think that that was something that probably contributed to it. And I know that that probably added some frustration. He was frustrated. He was hurt, and and Gase's system is not you know easy. It's it's not. It's it's complicated to an extent players do need to be on their, uh, on, on their toes and, 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 uh, mental, mental players. I mean, they do need to think that, that they, they need to think through this and understand it. And the more you understand it, the better you are, which is why you saw players like Wes Welker find success and, and players like Demarius Thomas find success because they were very, uh, thinking players. And, and I don't, I don't know anything about Parker to, to, I don't meaning personally, I don't know him personally at all to be able to or have covered him, to be able to tell you, oh, he's a he's a very like you know X's nose guy, or is he somebody that just gets by on talent? But I and Tannehill is the one that I think that's a total outlier right now, and you need to see that uh, extension because you saw guys like Josh McCown have random huge years with like the Chicago Bears, and you're like, oh, Josh McCown's turned the corner, and then he regresses to the norm uh, when when he got that contract with the Buccaneers. So I think you do need to sit back and wait to see on Tannehill. But it is a, a slight cause for concern. It, it, it is it does it does deserve a little bit of an asterisk. It is something where you can kind of say, uh, I don't that that's that's puzzling a little bit because you know the best coaches in the NFL, Tim, and the ones that are all the ones that that usually find the same success, they don't find players to fit their system. They build a system to fit their players. So they look at all of the guys they have, they learn. 
throughout OTAs, mini camp, training camp, their strengths and weaknesses. And then they take those strengths and weaknesses and they build a system that exemplifies the strengths and hides and masks the weaknesses. They don't ask them to do things they can't do. They ask them to do things that they can. And and I think that Gase has shown an indication that he does do some of that. Jamison Crowder is a big one. I know in the season opener, uh, everyone looked at those like 14 catches for 99 yards and was like, holy cow, look what Crowder did at a huge game. He actually didn't have that great of a game. There were several, several times in that game, probably eight or nine times from what I, remember, I can recall watching the film and, and having it relayed back to me, where he did the wrong thing, where he was supposed to break left at this yardage and he actually broke right. Or he was supposed to, if he read the safety right and cut left, he would have had a, a touchdown and instead he cut right and Darnold still just found him because Darnold is is, is a good quarterback. And, and what Gase realized basically through watching that is that uh, Crowder is not someone who is super, super reactionary. He's not someone that is is best reading in real time. He's better having said like, okay, this is what you're doing in this play. Go do it. And then if that's slightly covered, just find yourself and get yourself open. And he's a master at getting himself open by getting himself way and finding the open hole. So he's basically one of those things. Okay, you're running a five-yard out. If that's covered, get yourself open. And he's great at that. And that's why you've seen his statistics improve as the season has gone on he's been a much more consistent player obviously the Jets kind of lost him for that three-game stretch before he had that breakout again against Baltimore but that was more I think for some of the offensive struggles in general so and not for uh for lack of targets I mean there were a game there where he caught like two passes for eight yards but Darnold still threw to him 10 times so it wasn't necessarily something like that but yeah lo- looking at what Parker's done and and looking at what Tannehill's done I, I wouldn't necessarily sound the alarms yet but it is something to kind of keep note of because, like I said, the best coaches in the NFL design their scheme to fit their players, not the other way around. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, as we move forward, my apologies if I butcher these names. Um, I've never been good at names, so I'm just throwing that out there. So this next one's from uh, Johnny Brachiol. He says, the Ravens have done an unbelievable job of building a team around Lamar Jackson. What does a team built around Sam Darnold's strength look like? What type of players do you think would bring the best out of it? Yeah, look, I don't, I don't, th- I think Lamar Jackson and Sam Darnold are just are just very different players. I know Darnold has some mobility and stuff, but he's more of your uh, not traditional drop back. That was more Josh Rosen, where he's just not going to move within the pocket. Darnold has the ability to move within the pocket and throw on the run and all those things. But I think that that he, it, it's easier to build an offense around Darnold because there's much more pieces that work with him as maybe as opposed to Lamar Jackson, who if you want to. Look, Lamar Jackson has accuracy that I didn't know he had. He's going through read progressions. He's also run. He's he's very mobile. But like when the Jets were preparing for this game, they were saying, you know, it's it's it, they're doing option type stuff in the NFL, which you don't always see. Now Jackson's ability to throw changes things, but they've clearly built an offense where it is okay. We're going to run the ball, then we're going to use the run to set up this, and then we're going to use Jackson's ability to do this, this, and this, and and Jackson's passing ability is what's taken this offense to another level because now not only do you have that option type scheme, but you have a quarterback that's a pretty damn good quarterback and can throw the ball. So it's basically you can do whatever the hell you want, but they built an offense around that type of a skill set. The Jets don't necessarily need to do that because Darnold does so many things well. He has the strong arm. He has the accuracy. He's not as elusive or fast as Jackson, but he does have the ability to move within the pocket. So I think you don't necessarily need to build a team over a certain specific skill set for Dar- for Darnold. I think he's somebody that, look, you need to get him a number one receiver. That's true, but that's because he's a quarterback that needs his go-to guy. You need to fix that offensive line, but that's not because Darnold needs you know an elite-level offensive line, but just because this offensive line's so bad that Darnold is moving around like crazy because he has to, not necessarily because he wants to. So I think that any quarterback would benefit from a, a, a heavy run approach. I think any quarterback can benefit, like I said, from the offensive line and the number one receiver. But the thing that benefits the Jets in this rebuild and the thing that benefits the Jets, and specifically Joe Douglas when he's looking to sculpt this offense and build this offense it's that you don't necessarily need to do any specific thing around Darnold. You need to build this offense around Darnold. You need to give him talent and you need to give him playmakers. But Darnold's skill set and his ability to do so many different things allows you the freedom to to build in so many different ways. There's not like one set specific kind of thing you need to do. 
Which is good, and it speaks well of Sam Darnold. All right, mm-hmm. up next, John Targia. He says, why doesn't Adam Gase tailor – this is kind of related. Why doesn't yeah. Adam Gase tailor the offense to Sam Darnold's strengths? Example being getting him out on the run, out of the pocket, instead of making him a Peyton-like pocket passer. And, of course, I always have to bring up Peyton because of Sam – because of Adam Gase. Yeah. Yeah, look, I, I – I, I don't I don't necessarily agree too much with with the Gase isn't doing things that Darnold you know that he hasn't tailored ever since Darnold walked in, and this received a lot of criticism about why did it take until week you know midway through the season for Darnold to go into Gase's office and say all this stuff and and we talked about it on the podcast shortly thereafter. It's that look Darnold needed to come to an understanding of this offense to be able to say this is what I like this is what I don't like let's do this let's not do that and that's when Gase started tailoring it and changing it. And there have been more rollouts and more all these things and and more getting Darnold on the move and getting him throwing the ball. There's been more of that in recent weeks. There has. You can't do that on every single play because it's cutting the field in half. Every time you roll out to the right, you're literally eliminating 50% of the play. Also, if you don't recall, there were three times when Darnold rolled out against the Baltimore Ravens where the Ravens just read it. The guy came screaming off the edge and was in Darnold's face for a contested throw and Darnold wasn't able to make anything happen off of it. So it's one of those things where, where, yeah, you want to work the rollouts in and you want to have them be a part of your offense, but they can't just be your offense. So honestly, man, I, I don't necessarily buy into that belief that Gase isn't doing what Darnold wants and not building this thing into what Darnold wants. He is. He's sculpting this offense into what Darnold needs. Some of the struggles on offense are much more of the talent surrounding Darnold than uh, than anything else. All right, up next is Joe Heldman. He says, rather than taking, say, Jerry Judy or Tristan Wirfs at number seven or six in the draft, should the Jets trade down, uh, get a center, and then address offensive tackle and wide receiver, receiver later based on how deep this draft is at those spots? Uh, look, everything's going to be on the table for, for Joe Douglas in this draft. And it's, it's going to come down to essentially where the jets are picking. If they, if they lose these next two games and they suddenly find themselves picking number five and Andrew Thomas out of Georgia falls to them, the the consensus top offensive tackle in the draft, I think you have to go with Andrew Thomas because you need your left tackle and Joe Douglas being a former offensive lineman, I find it hard to believe that he will pass on on that offensive tackle. And honestly, in the second round, it would not surprise me. Look, you look at Todd McShay's mock draft right now. He has Werfs falling all the way down to the Patriots at number 30. So if he's going down there at the 30, there's a chance he gets there into the second round. And, and the Jets, maybe if they're able to deal Bell for a fourth-round pick or something like that, they can package their three and four or or maybe their two and their four to move uh, to move up into the second round and and up to one of those top places to maybe come away with not only Andrew Thomas but also Werfs or maybe they can move back into the bottom end of the first round by trading a two and a four to go back into the first round at number thirty or number thirty one or maybe even number thirty two to go and get Werfs again you know you don't really know how that could shake out what the Jets could do to move back up there and get their guy but I know that a lot of people are talking about Judy. I know a lot of people are kind of talking about that Ruggs, the wideout out of Alabama, is his counterpart there. Then there's Justin Jefferson out of LSU. Uh, there's a couple other guys as well. You know, T. Higgins out of Clemson. You know, th- this is a, a deep class for receivers, a deep class for offensive linemen. Maybe not necessarily. You don't have the the Quentin Nelson. You know, that top tier, no doubt, offensive lineman that's just going to be the bona fide All Pro every single year. That player is not in this draft, but you have a lot of pretty good ones. I still just find it theoretically you could say, okay, go receiver first round and then come back and get your lineman in the second and third round with the state of this Jets offensive line. I find it so, so hard to believe that the Jets are actually going to pass on an offensive lineman if they're picking in the first round. But if for some reason you got guys where uh, say Tua starts to fall because this hip injury and, and some team wants to come up to number four, number five, wherever the Jets are picking to get Tua and they give them a crazy package of picks to go back down there at number 10 or something like that, then I could see the Jets trading down. But honestly, with the state of this offensive line, if Andrew Thomas is there, I think you have to take the offensive lineman. You have to get your left tackle. You have to get the guy to start fixing this offensive line. Because again, as you've seen across the NFL, look at the Cleveland Browns. 
It doesn't matter if you have elite-level receivers if your quarterback doesn't have time to get on the ball. That Browns offensive line is dreadful, and look at the seasons that that uh, Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham Jr. are having. It's nothing compared to last year when they had Zeitler and some of these other guys in the offensive line that kind of solidified things. They made the investment to go heavy on playmakers as opposed to offensive line, and they're dealing with the problems right now. Granted, also, Freddie Kitchens is not a good coach, but they're dealing with some of those issues because of the offensive line. The Jets, priority number one, two, and three this offseason is fixing the offensive line. Yeah, they need a corner. Yeah, they need a, a, a receiver. But unless they're going, the only other player that I could, I, I honestly, and I mean this, the only other player that they should consider taking in the first round that is not an offensive lineman is Chase Young. And considering the Giants pretty much have that number two pick locked up and Chase Young is going to go to Big Blue, that means the Jets need to put all of their priority and all their focus in getting an offensive lineman. That probably means Andrew Thomas at four or five. That's perfect. If the Andrew Thomas isn't there and someone goes up to Tua and the Jets move back and get a lineman at number one, then another one in the second round. Go for it, but but I, I really believe that they need to go wide receiver and probably go. I'm sorry, offensive lineman. They need to go offensive lineman and most likely lineman lineman with those first two picks of the draft. Yeah, this isn't the year to be flashy in the draft and get those. Yeah, you don't guys. you don't want to get yeah. finicky, man. You don't you don't yep. want to f around with this. You don't want to take chances. Like don't don't try to get cute and trade down so you get the extra pick. Like I get what you're saying and it makes sense and it's a good question. It really is because it does make sense. So, okay, well if you get the what you can theoretically move down, get your number one wide receiver, and then in the second round get an offensive tackle. And you're totally right; it's totally accurate. But there are there's a reason players fall to the second and third round because they're not considered as surefire things as first round picks. Don't try to get cute. Don't try to play the game when the offensive line is in this dire of a shape. Get your guy. Start rebuilding this thing now. If the perfect scenario is there, it's the deal that you just cannot pass up because you're just getting a boatload of picks for someone that's coming up to get Tua, who they believe is a franchise quarterback, then you consider it, but only if you're only going down to maybe like eight, nine, or 10 in the draft, and then you can still get the the, the lineman. But I just, I don't believe you should go wide receiver in the first round. I don't think you should go anything other than Chase Young and offensive line. Those are the only two options for the Jets in the first round of the draft. And honestly, offensive line and probably in the round two, no matter what. Get your offensive tackle in the first, your center or guard in the second, and then you can start rolling and looking at other positions by either trading back into the second or one of those third-round picks the Jets have. All right, next is Nick Anzalone. He says, hey, Connor, if you had to put a percentage on the chances that the Jets trade Jamal Adams, what do you think? And additionally, if you were to extend him, what kind of numbers are they looking at? Oh, he's resetting the market. If you were to extend, Jamal Adams isn't going to sign for cheap, so he's going to reset the market of, of, of a safety. Every deal that's out there, I don't think he gets to $100 million. Like No safety is ever going to make that much, but he's going to surpass what Landon Collins got from the Washington Redskins. That's a fact. Um, now, cause he's a, he's a 10, he's a significantly better player than Landon Collins is. He's, he's as physical as he is, but he's a significantly better cover safety, both in zone and in man to man. Landon Collins just can't do those things. Uh, he's also a tremendous leader as far as him returning. Um, I don't know, man. I thought it was definitive that he was definitely going to be gone after that, that press conference that, that he gave after the trade deadline, plus the way that it looked where the jets need to need to recoup some draft capital. I think it's honestly going to come down to what the offers are in free agency. The Jets, again, they're not going to just give Jamal Adams away. If a team wants Jamal Adams, they're going to have to make the Jets an offer they can't refuse. Does that mean, you know, a one and two twos or, you know, like, you know, two first round picks? Well, they're not going to get that. But if some team comes to the Jets and says, we'll give you a one and a three, we'll give you a one and a four. Well, depending on where that number one pick falls, I think you got to consider it because, again, like we were just talking about, this is a very, very deep class for receivers where you have Judy, who's obviously going to be going pretty good, but then pretty high. But you got Ruggs, you got Jefferson, you got Higgins, you got a couple of these other guys. You obviously have some offensive linemen that are going to be there as well. If you can get another pick there in the 20s for trading Jamal Adams, you might be able to look at a situation here where the Jets could have with their four, you know, two first round picks go with Andrew Thomas. Then loop around and get either Ruggs or Jefferson, and then come back in the early second round and get a corner, or you can turn around. You can even get a corner with that second first round pick, or you can get a corner and a wide. I mean, there's so many options that the Jets can have where they can potentially come out of those first four picks by trading Jamal Adams, by having an extra third and an extra one, plus the extra third round pick you already have for trading Leonard Williams where they could really start to reshape this roster. And again, Jamal Adams is a hell of a player. 
and the Jets aren't going to give him away for a third. He's not going to give him away for a t- Joe Douglas isn't going to give Jamal Adams away for a two. He's not going to give this guy away. But if you can get a one and a three for Jamal Adams, and now suddenly you're looking at a draft where you have two first-round picks, a second-round pick, and three third-round picks with the extra you're getting for Jamal, the one you already have from Leonard, and then your own native third-round pick. I mean, there's a lot of options there because, again, if players start to fall in the first round, if players start to fall into the second round, the Jets can use one of those three first-round picks packaged with their two to either move back up into the first round, to move up into the second. I mean, there's so many options there. So what happens with Jamal Adams is going to be so interesting because he is a hell of a player. He's an unbelievable safety. He's probably the the best safety in the NFL, but he's also still a safety. And you need to decide, okay, look, this is our team right now with Jamal Adams. What could our team be with an extra first and a third and without Jamal Adams? No, you're not going to replace Jamal Adams as safety. You're not going to find that player in this draft. But if you can go into free agency and find a decent safety, a starting safety, an above average safety in free agency and pay him $10 million less than what you're going to have to pay Jamal Adams, plus then have a one and a three in the draft to an extra one in the three in the draft to shape this offensive line and receiving core and corner, or maybe even find a pass rusher. I think it's something you do need to consider desperately. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, Dave wants to know <laughs> why should he renew his season tickets? Uh, good, good man. I'll be totally honest. With you. Here's, here's my thing. And I'll, I'll be, I'm going to, I'm going to, I, I, this is, I've I've covered the NFL now since 2014. I've I've been to many many a stadiums around the NFL. I watched football my entire life growing up. I watch football on Thursday nights, Monday nights, Sundays when the Jets aren't playing. The best seat to watch a game is in is on your couch, dude. Like this is not basketball. This isn't baseball. Like you can make the argument that it's better to watch baseball in person. It's better to watch basketball in person. To some extent, it's better to watch hockey in person. It is not better to watch football in person. A, you're dealing with like three months where the weather's going to suck, or at least two months where the weather sucks in November and December. And if the Jets ever play into January, the weather's going to suck then. It's kind of, no matter what, you're not going to have a great seat unless you're right at the 50-yard line. And even then, you're kind of twisting your head and you're going to probably be watching 60% of the game from a Jumbotron. As soon as you watch the first play in person, your head's immediately tilted up to one of those ugly four Jumbotrons at MetLife Stadium looking for where, you know, what the replay is. Like, it's not good. Like, watching football in person isn't fun. It's better to have all your friends over your house. It's cheaper, too. All of your friends over your house on the big 65, 75-inch TV, which you can afford if you don't have season tickets. The other thing you can afford is a damn good surround sound system. You're talking, like, eight to or seven to like the two subs you got the rear speakers where you're going to have a 10 times better audio system get your friends over get the wings get the big screen the big ass screen tv get the sick ass surround sound system and watch the game that way you're going to save yourself money and it's going to be a better experience you're not going to be freezing your ass off you're going to get all of the best camera angles you're going to get the commentary i tell people this all the time if i could watch the game that i'm covering on television and then get to MetLife Stadium in time for locker room access, that's what I would do week in and week out. You gain nothing from being at a game aside from maybe the one or two plays where you're able to see from where I'm sitting in the press box up top kind of having the all-22 angle where I can say like, oh, Sam Darnold just missed this receiver. or Oh, the Jets just got away with this blown coverage because this receiver was wide open and, and you know Jamal Adams or Marcus May didn't see him. That's the only advantage to being at a game. And that is a very, very minimal advantage that really just ends up being a minor note in a notebook sometimes. The best time and the best way to watch a football game is on your couch in front of your big screen TV with surround sound around you. That is the best time to watch a t- watch a game. So I'm telling you, man, don't renew your season tickets. Don't forget anything about what the Jets are doing on the field. Even when the Jets are good, go spend like the $200 or whatever to go get into the stadium to watch the game you want to watch and pick your seat and all that stuff. But other than that, for all the other games, sit at home, invest in a big screen TV, get your good surrounds out, have your buddies over, get some wings, some beer, some pizza, and enjoy yourself in the comfort of your own home because that is a 10 times better spot to watch the games than than MetLife Stadium. Plus, having been at these other stadiums around the league, like just coming from M&T Bank Stadium in Baltimore and and seeing what Arizona has and the 49ers and all these others, MetLife Stadium sucks. It's a gray sphere in a cruddy part of North Jersey. Like, you why would you want to go spend Sundays there? There's nothing original about it. It's a shitty stadium. Like, just stay at home, man. Seriously, stay at home. It's nothing to do with the state of the Jets roster. It is all it all has everything to do about just being smart. 
Yeah, watching football live, one of the most overrated things in the world. It's, it's oh, so terrible. much better on TV. Terrible. I remember I got I got what a real quick story for you too. And then I know we said we don't want to make this pocket. I know Marissa. I was like, oh, I'm gonna be really short on my answers today, Marissa. Don't <laughs> worry, it'll be a quick one. In and out because I have like a three hours of Christmas shopping to do. But I paid when I was a kid in high school. I had a chance to go to a football game to go see my my favorite team play. And again, I'm not going into who my favorite. Everyone knows it's it's not the Jets. It's never been the Jets. But I had a chance to go see like my favorite team play, and it was 2011. And I was like, awesome. And I was in high school at the time. So high school or early college? I was in early college. I graduated high school in 2010. So I was in early college. My first year of college, obviously, you know, money's tight when you're in college. And I paid like, I want to say $250, maybe $300 total for these tickets. And it was to go see my favorite team play a game in December. Uh, They were in the thick of a playoff hunt. And it was, I had to pay for, for good seats and I had to pay for a parking pass because you got to pay. You had to pay for those things too. And I didn't have like obviously you're in college. You don't have that much money. Like I, all the extra money you have goes to beer. So it's like it's like you don't have that much to play with. I went to this game. It started sleeting, like not not snowing, but like rain, ice, sleeting. It was like 25 mile per hour winds. The team that I wanted to watch lost like 35 to seven. And I'm like, I just paid $300 to watch the team I like get their ass kicked and I'm miserable doing it because I'm cold, I'm wet, I'm freezing and this just and I paid $300 to do this. Like I, I, I might as well have just taken $300 and burned it. Like like seriously, like seriously, it was a miserable experience and it was that it was seriously it was that date where I was like, you know what? Unless I'm given tickets where like somebody says, hey, I've got an extra ticket to the game. Do you want to come? That's the last time that I'm paying to go see a game. And seriously, that's that's the last time that that I that I I've paid to go see a game. I, I went like that was the experience, and earlier that same year, uh, Bree's a big Eagles fan, so I took her to a uh, an Eagles game, and it was actually at a visiting stadium, and I remember walking out of the stadium, and Bree was getting, like, the most absurd, like, she, again, we're in college, she was getting the most absurd things yelled at her by this visiting fan base, and I was like, holy crap, dude, like, it, it's a it's a week three football game, like, who the hell, and it was like, those two experiences, I was like, it's just not worth going to a game. Like, have your friends over, watch the game, I'll order the food. Plus, I mean, like, Thursday Night Football is now streamed in 4K, which I don't know if you guys have done that yet. Freaking do it because it's gorgeous. And I know I'm a tech junkie and love all that stuff. But, like, there is no point at all, especially when 4K, all games are streamed in 4K. There is zero point in going to a football game. Just none. All right. We need to get back on track here. And this is the perfect oh, yeah, question well, to do it. This one comes. off the rails. <laughs> this one comes from at uh, NYJ underscore NDN. How would you describe Adam Gase in one word? And honestly, one word here. I'm gonna go with criticized. I think I think that's probably the the good one for Gase right now. I mean, look, and and we've talked about this a ton, Tim. Is that you want to you want to rip apart Gase for what he's doing? Yes, but there is the built-in excuse of the state of the roster. It's bad. It's really, really, really bad. And I think that he's received some criticism that's warranted and some criticism that's not. Now, I don't know what an Adam Gase offense looks like when he has the pieces that he needs or what this team as the Jets looks like when they're not so ravaged by injuries, when there's C.J. Mosley in a defense and when they have competence at corner, when the offensive line is fixed, you just don't know what that team's going to look like. And I think that there's every reason to understand why the Jets have struggled this year and they've lost games this year and they've been uncompetitive in games this year. And it's understandable and you get why and you say like, okay, that makes a lot of sense to me. There's all these reasons why they shouldn't be very good right now. But at the same time, you kind of were hoping that they would have been better. You know what I mean? Like you don't, I don't think you, and again, this is people are going to get really pissed off when I say this, but I don't think that you can say Adam Gase is a bad coach because he has not had success with this Jets roster, considering the state of the team, you want to rip him because he didn't have success with the Dolphins and all that. Fine, you know that that's that's a completely different sample size. But you can't say Adam Gase sucks as a coach just in a vacuum of this 2020 Jets season or 2019 Jets season. You can't say it. But at the same time, if he was able to have success with this Jets roster in its current state this year, I think you could say. No, he's a pretty good head coach, and he's pretty impressive. And holy cow, that was a really good year. I think so. It's it's kind of a, a weird double edged sword a little bit, but uh, I think criticized is probably the word that I would use to to describe Gary's case this year. Is that he's received criticism, some of it warranted, some of it on. 
All right, another gay question. There we go, Tim. How about yeah, that, that short pretty, answer, that baby? Was pretty Let's good. go. Let's, Let's go. Kept it under 10 minutes. Let's go with that for, for a few more of these. All right. Uh, another Adam Gase question. This one from Matt. He says, how much power and influence will Adam Gase have this offseason? Not, not what people are. Th- it's not going to be blown out of proportion. Joe Douglas has complete and total say of the 53-man roster. It's on Joe Douglas to to piece together the draft and, and free agency and all that stuff. However, it's going to be a working relationship with Adam Gase where, where these guys sit down during their, for example, pre-free agency meetings, and they have the list of all the players that are in free agency. And Adam Gase and Joe Douglas are going to say, Joe Douglas will basically say, all right, Adam, what do you need to kind of make this work? And Greg Williams will be involved in this too. What do you need to make the defense work? What do you need to make the offense work? Gase will say, this is the type of player I'm looking for. I think this will really help. Douglas will say, okay, I totally agree. Uh, what if we went with this guy? Gase will say, oh, you know what? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. That'll work too. And they'll piece together their board of players that they want to target and the players that don't, they don't want to target. Why these guys work, why these guys don't work. This is the money they think they're worth and these guys should pay. It's not Adam Gase is not going to run free agency. Adam Gase is not going to run the draft. This is not Adam Gase's team. It's Joe Douglas's team. Joe Douglas would not have taken this job if he did not have full control of the 53-man roster. That's why he did not take the job with the Texans because Bill uh, Bill O'Brien has final say of the 53, and Joe Douglas did not want to concede that. He wanted to have his team and put it together the way that he envisions it with input from everyone else. This isn't like he's going to go off on his own. You know, He's, he's going to take into consideration everything, but he will have final say. Uh, but the whole thing is that, that Gase and Douglas are close. Gase and Douglas get along extremely well, and it's a it's an environment that's conducive to success, which wasn't necessarily the case last year. All right, next question. Dylan Lodes, and there's a couple here. Um, any specific free agents you want the Jets to go for in March? And to go along with that, Sammy in the Jets 69 says, should we target Amari Cooper? Oh, yeah. If, if Cooper hits free agency – 110% the Jets should go after him. I know that there's going to be some uh, cause for concern because of how things ended with him in Oakland and that, you know, there was questions on, is he giving 100% every time? And now suddenly he's having this, well, he played really well for the Cowboys last year, but now he's in a contract year and he's breaking out and he's doing all these amazing things where it's like, well, hey, once he gets his money, is he not going to be the same? Look, Amari Cooper has shown enough to me, in my opinion, that he is a bona fide number one receiver. He is the bona fide number one receiver that very seldom hits the open market. If he's out there, the Jets should do whatever they can to get him. Because also, if the Jets are winning games, Omari Cooper is going to be perfectly fine. Where he kind of goes off is when the team's you know winning three, four, five games, and suddenly he starts tailing off. And and I think that he just didn't click very well with with some of that coaching staff over there. I think he would be a good fit for the Jets. I think he he's worth the risk. He's he his talent. And what he does when he's on, that he's worth entirely the risk. The Jets should absolutely do what they can to go out there and get uh, Amari Cooper if he hits free agency. That's the big if, though. I mean, the Je- the Cowboys have a lot of people they got to pay. They just played Zeke. They still got to pay Dak if they decide to bring him back. I know Byron Jones, their corner, he's going to be a free agent. So they have some decisions, and and depending on what they do with Dak, might determine if they bring back Amari Cooper. Find it hard to believe Jerry Jones is going to let him hit free agency without at least franchise tagging him, but that team's going to have to get funky because they also you know, they just paid Demarcus Lawrence too. So uh, they have they're 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 strapped against the cap, and I've looked at their team, and I don't necessarily see how they're going to fit Cooper in there. If they can figure it out, fine. But if for some reason he shakes free and and hits free agency, the Jets should absolutely go after him. Other than that. Uh, Yannick from the Jaguars, the defensive end, can kind of play a little 34-43. I think he'd be a very good fit with Greg Williams. I think he would like him a lot. He would give the Jets that edge rusher they're looking for. He's not an elite-level edge rusher, but I think he would give them a really good piece to to work with. And if they want to switch to a 43 defense, they can. I mean, you have Henry Anderson can kind of play that that hybrid 43 defensive end, defensive tackle role. I think he can do it. Quinn and Williams can certainly play defensive tackle in a 43. Then Yannick could go play 43 defensive end. I mean, I think he's somebody that the Jets should absolutely go and target. I also think Greg Williams would like him a lot. Someone I'd probably stay away from is Marcus Peters. I know everyone's going to talk about him, the Ravens corner. I think his personality is similar to Tremaine Johnson, where he's just so hot and cold, where I just he's not somebody that I would target. Brandon Sheriff, the guard from the Redskins, assuming he hits free agency, the Jets are basically going to give him a blank check. They'll go after him. Anthony Costanzo is the other one that I could see the Jets targeting as as a, as a definitive work. Costanzo, if he hits free agency from the Colts, I know he's older at 32, but on a two- or three-year deal, he's absolutely worth targeting in Sheriff. Where if you get Costanza, 
you can plug him in, boom, you've got an offensive tackle, Sheriff, boom, you've got two starting guards that are immediate improvements over what the Jets have had, not this year, but the last three years, those guys would be improvements over. Uh, the other one, obviously, Bud Dupree, the outside linebacker for the Steelers. If he shakes free, same with Shaq Barrett, the guy who's had the breakout with the Bucks as an outside linebacker. Those are two guys I would target as well. And, and then you kind of get into the interesting categories of Matt Judon with the Ravens. Don't really think he gets let go. Dante Fowler seems to have car- carved out a little niche for himself with the Rams. I think that he's somebody that the Jets should target if he hits free agency. The big guy that I, I would absolutely go after as well, though, is is Byron Jones. We talk, I just talked about him, the corner for the Cowboys. He's going to be a free agent. If the Jets re-sign or if the Cowboys re-sign Cooper, they're not going to be able to afford Byron Jones. And I think Jones is one of those guys where he's younger, 27. Uh, he's a good player. Not a great, but if he's your number two corner, I think he's he's a really, really good number two corner. And the Jets are going to keep looking for their number one in the draft and stuff. He's someone I would absolutely go out there and target and, and try to bring in here because he's a good He's a good uh, leader guy. He's a good mental makeup guy. He's also from UConn, who the Jets, for whatever reason, seem to have an affinity for UConn guys. Uh, he's someone that I could see them going out there, and I think they should absolutely go out for. So the the big board of realistic players, I think Byron Jones, Brandon Sheriff, uh, Yannick, I think those three guys will definitely hit the open market or the three guys the Jets should absolutely try to go out there and sign. And then Cooper is the wild card, where if for some reason he shakes free from the Cowboys, the Jets should do whatever it takes to get him because he is a bona fide number one wideout, and you don't usually have bona fide number one wideouts hit free agency. All right, Connor, one more, and this one you're going to love, and maybe it's more of a recommendation than a question, but definitely want your thoughts on it. This one from Garrett McKelver. He says, can you and all the other press box attendees do a March Madness bracket of ranking the true number (laughs) one press box food? I'll tell you what, man, that is, I don't know if we can do that this year, but next year, I think that that is something that absolutely we will do. And Maybe I'll go the back because I've been taking, should do it with uh, all the writers yeah, around actually, the, around the that league, would not right? be bad. Yeah. Is that everyone, everyone kind of puts together their, uh, the list of what, you know, is like the premier, the best press box spread their individual, like the best food, their individual press box has had. And then go through it. I mean, look, Washington, you can go with that guy Fieri chicken or the Cinnabon, which was delicious. I mean, every place has like their, their staple, I'm actually going to add that next year when I, I have to go through and update the press box power rankings. Cause there's next year is going to be fun, man, because there's like this year was a weird trip where there were basically only two, I think new stadiums added to the press box power rankings next year. There's going to be like four. Cause there's two LA trips that I haven't been to Seattle. Again, there's a chance that that Jack's the jets play the Jaguars, which would be flexed to, uh, to London if, if that happens. So there's a chance that there's going to be like four or five additions to the press box power rankings next year. And if that happens, then I, I think I'm going to go in. I'm going to go back and look into the, the vault of the pictures that I've taken and, and put down the signature dish that I had at every place that was really good. That, that kind of is like the standout one. And uh, then we'll be able to move forward with it and, and try to do a, a press box power rankings. But yeah, I think the Jets beat the Jets beat would definitely definitely get in on that. I, I just need to put together the uh, the information for it. That trip to L.A., that new stadium out there, it's probably going to be like caviar and champagne. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I know, man. That's gonna be. Oh, I can't wait. I can't Place wait. Going to be spectacular. All right. That's all the questions. Uh, great stuff. Thanks for getting them to us. So we finished up this mailbag. You can always get more NFL questions answered on one of our great podcasts here. It's called The Mailroom, the podcast for all your NFL questions from a different expert each week. Last week, Jim Nagy, the director of the Senior Bowl, stopped by the show to talk about how the rosters are constructed and under-the-radar names for 2020. So be sure to check out The Mailroom right here as part of the Athletic Podcast Network. If you have a friend who needs a subscription to The Athletic, or since this is our free version, if you need that subscription to The Athletic so you can listen to all the Can't Wait podcasts, podcast go to theathletic.com slash the can't wait podcast you can save 40 percent off a one-year subscription there's also some other gift deals going on right now through the athletic as well you can find those uh follow connor on twitter it's good follow connor underscore j underscore hughes thanks for tuning in later this week we'll get you ready for that big steelers game <laughs>